Coming up this evening, live from New York City. Are we facing stagflation? Janet Yellen, Ben Bernanke, fund managers, economists, they're all warning about it. So can we avoid it? Is New York City dead? I met with some of the Big Apple's most influential business leaders today to find out. Hedge fund Melvin Capital shutting down after heavy losses on meme stocks and market turmoil. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. I'm Paul Graney and this is NTD Business. Twitter apparently told employees today that Elon Musk's takeover is moving forward as planned. And Twitter won't renegotiate the agreed-on price. According to insiders cited by Bloomberg News, Twitter's top lawyer says there is no such, deal as a, no such thing as a deal being put on hold. She was pushing back on recent claims from Elon Musk that he's pausing the deal. Musk said Tuesday that the Twitter deal can't move forward until the company can prove that more than 95 of its users are real, not fake, automated bots. We reached out to Twitter but haven't heard back yet. And I went to the Saks on Fifth Avenue's new co-working space today, it's really cool by the way, to listen to some of New York City's most influential business leaders discuss the city's challenges and its future. I learned a lot. Here you go. The business center of the world isn't dead, but it may need some help getting back on its feet. You can be clear-eyed about the challenges and also optimistic about our city. New York City's Deputy Mayor for Economic and Workforce Development headlined an event today by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. We are still several hundred thousand jobs short of pre-pandemic levels. Business leaders were frank about what's keeping people at home and out of the city. It's crime, it's public safety, it's sanitation, it's the homelessness and mentally ill in the streets, it's a sense of disorder, and can we really manage the city? You know, this is what elected Rudy Giuliani. It's hard, most of you are too young to remember that, but what elected Rudy Giuliani was, the city is unmanageable, the city is unsafe, the city is falling apart. And I think it had a big thing to do. I think that's why Eric Adams was elected. That's the president and CEO of the Partnership for New York City. It recently found that those are the main reasons employees at big companies are not coming back to the office. Cost of living is also a factor. Inflation is officially up 8% nationwide, and New York hasn't escaped. Andrew Ridgey, the NYC Hospitality Alliance, told me bars and restaurants facing higher costs are still being forced to increase their prices. There's a lot of other issues from childcare to housing that are really critically important to what that recovery is going to look like. Rents have also never been so high. The city should adopt housing policies that encourage the development of more rental properties. That was the message from Reggie Thomas of the Real Estate Board of New York. For example, there's this good cause eviction bill, uh, which frankly is going to decimate rental housing production in New York City at a time we need to lean into it. The good eviction bill would make it more difficult to evict someone and would cap annual rent increases. This could make it less appealing for landlords to build. And developing the tech sector is a big priority for New York's crypto-friendly mayor, Eric Adams. Tech NYC is ready to turn the Big Apple into a major tech hub and fast. This pandemic, it forced, it compelled people to start looking at innovation differently. It compelled people to put money into those things. And now that we've gotten to that point, you know, we have such an amazing, amazing opportunity. The chamber's president dismissed suggestions that New York is dead. New York City never stays the same. We always change. We always evolve. We always get better. 
Jessica Walker now hopes to run the State of NYC Business Summit as an annual event. And Kohl's is the latest retailer to warn about soaring inflation hurting its bottom line. Its net sales fell 5% last quarter. It's now predicting lower sales than previously expected. It sees its net annual sales to rise just 1%. It's beginning on both ends. On the cost side, wages are rising. Fuel and freight are also costing more. On the revenue side, shoppers are also grappling with inflation themselves. They're tightening their belts. Cole's CEO says consumer demand, quote, considerably weakened in April. CFO also says they don't expect things to turn around soon. In fact, it's been a brutal earnings season so far for many retailers. Target's first quarter profit fell by half from the same period last year. Walmart shares tumbled about 17% for similar reasons after posting results. Another sign the housing market is slowing down too. U.S. existing home sales in April dropped to the lowest level in nearly two years. Home prices jumped to a new record high. Bidding wars, though, seem to be cooling off. Redfin says fewer homes are receiving multiple offers. The chief economist says it's an early sign that higher mortgage rates, considerably higher, are deterring people from buying. Most of April's sales were likely closings and contracts signed earlier before the rates even started climbing. Another issue, lack of inventory. We've heard it before. Compared to a year ago, there are 10% fewer homes on the market. And a quick update on the jobless claims. The number of Americans filing new claims for jobless benefits rose a little last week. Kind of surprising, reaching a four-month high. Labor market, though, is still tight. Data out today showing the number of people collecting unemployment at its lowest since 1969. And that has led many prominent people to talk about stagflation. It's high inflation combined with a stagnant economy. Last time we saw this was prominently, saw it prominently was in the 1970s, which is quickly followed by a recession. The Fed quarter has more. At a G7 meeting Wednesday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said, Food and energy prices are having stagflationary effects. In his new book, former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke wrote that there could be stagflation in the next year or two, and 77% of fund managers see stagflation coming. Stagflation happens when the economy is stagnating at the same time there's high inflation. It seems very likely at this point. Robert Wright is a senior faculty fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Wright says when the economy is shrinking, businesses don't have reasons to keep people employed. So if the economy continues to shrink, then they, uh, businesses will likely shed workers. Stagflation is uncommon because during economic downturns, prices usually fall. Businesses are forced to cut their prices as demand for their products dwindles. If stagflation has to come, it has to come from the supply chain crisis or the food inflation, which is going through the roof. Sankar Sharma is the founder of RiskRewardReturn.com. Sharma says the Fed has no control over the supply chain. The Fed mainly has the power to change interest rates and money supply. We're already seeing stagflation by definition. We have extremely high inflation and the economy fell by 1.4% last quarter. John Dunham is the president of John Dunham and Associates. Dunham doubts the economy will grow much this quarter. Real GDP dropped by 1.4% in the first quarter, but unemployment is still very low. So we're not exactly seeing the great stagflation of 2022 at the moment. You get out of it through um, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. 
uh, and that induces uh, a recession and uh, people get laid off, but uh, money supply growth decreases. And uh, so that puts, um, you know, downward pressure on, on prices. Robert Wright, the senior faculty fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research, says this is what Paul Volcker did during the stagflationary period in the 1980s. Faye Quarter, NTD News. Consumers with low credit scores or subprime borrowers are now falling behind on payments for car loans, personal loans, and credit cards. Why are they falling behind? Does this spell trouble for the overall economy? Anthony Don Moss speaks with Ted Rossman, credit card analyst at personal finance firm Bankrate. This is definitely falling disproportionately on the more vulnerable. So that might mean lower credit scores. It might mean lower incomes, people with less savings. They're falling behind on their bills, basically, because so many of these costs are rising. Do you think this is just a normalization? In some respects, it is. I mean, it's kind of cold comfort for somebody dealing with these difficult issues. But it is true that delinquencies have been artificially low these past couple of years. And a lot of that we can attribute to government stimulus and other benefits like the expanded child tax credit. You know, the fact that a lot of people spent less, especially in 2020 and 21 because of COVID fears and restrictions. Right now, though, with a lot of the government stimulus having lapsed at this point and with inflation so hot, that is leading to rising delinquencies. How serious do you think the issue we're facing right now is? Is, is, is there any concern, cause of concern for the overall economy because of this? I'm not too worried about the economy or the lending industry writ large. Subprime borrowers make up about 15% of the lending space. Um, so we're talking about a relatively small proportion overall. Most people are still in good shape. I know that things may not feel great right now with inflation, but the vast majority of people are working and keeping up with their bills. I see this as more of an isolated thing for a certain part of the lending spectrum, uh, not something that would cause wider concern or any sort of wider credit crunch. So I want to hear what your advice would be. We're, we're hearing more warnings about an upcoming recession. What can these borrowers do uh, that are struggling? I think it's really important to make sure that you can repay these financial obligations in good times and in bad. So you definitely want to make sure that that monthly mortgage payment or that monthly car loan payment fits into your budget in all climates, um, you know, especially if there are some risks ahead that, you know, let's say unemployment does rise or maybe there is a recession at some point down the road. I also think that it's important to speak up at the first sign of trouble. This surprises a lot of people and they say, well, why would I tell my lender if I'm having trouble? There actually are hardship programs available. Maybe they can rearrange some payment dates, maybe let you skip some payments with or without interest, uh, perhaps waive some late fees and protect your credit score. The point is it doesn't hurt to ask. So speaking up, asking for help, maybe seeking nonprofit credit counseling also if you need a little extra handholding. Um, these are some things that you can do to be proactive. Ted, thanks very much for your insight. No problem. Thank you. And the House passed a bill today to crack down on alleged price gouging by oil companies and energy producers. 
House Democrats backed a bill that would allow President Biden to cap prices for gas and home energy fuel. That's if companies raise prices in a, quote, exploitative manner. If companies do that, the bill directs the FTC to punish them. Most Democrats voted for the bill. Republicans all voted against it, along with four Democrats. The focus on price gouging comes as gas prices hit an average of $4.59 per gallon today. That's 49 cents a gallon higher than a month ago and over a dollar and a half higher than a year ago, according to AAA. Millions of Americans are also seeing surging utility bills, and as we head into the warm summer months, your wallet could really take a hit as you try to cool down your home. In today's Consumer Watch, we have some quick and easy ways to keep those costs down. Utility bills are surging from water, gas, electricity, even trash collection. And with summer quickly approaching, millions of Americans could be faced with dangerously high costs. Unfortunately, it's going to be a heartbreaking and potentially fatal summer for families who can't afford electricity. The natural gas market is largely driving up huge hikes on fuel, oil, propane and electricity. But consumer experts say the war in Ukraine is also adding fuel to the fire. My bill is more than triple what it was last year in the same period of time. And so for people who live on a budget, this is a budget buster. Here are five tips to keep utility bills down this summer. Number one, use your dishwasher. While it does use electricity, it saves energy and water. The California Energy Commission says that could save you an average of 5,000 gallons of water each year. Also, air dry the dishes to reduce your dishwasher's energy use by up to 50%. Number two, ditch the thermostat and use a fan. A fan uses 10% of the energy that a central air conditioner does. Number three, switch to smarter bulbs. LED bulbs use at least 75% less energy than incandescent lighting. Number four, use cold water when you wash laundry. Consumer Reports says 90% of the electricity used to wash a load goes towards heating the water. Number five, check the air ducts. Holes, clogs, and leaks can lose around 20% of the HVAC's efficiency. And U.S. oil refiners started buying way more crude and fuel oil from Latin America in April. as when buyers began replacing Russian supplies. Back in March, the U.S. banned Russian oil over Moscow's invasion of Ukraine. April 22nd was the last aid to buy from Russia. And last month, imports of fuel oil from Latin America jumped 49% compared to a year ago. Mexico's share alone climbed to about 27%. That's up 8% year over year. One energy strategist says the really interesting news has been Mexico's ability to capture market share from Russia. Crude imports from Latin America also up, climbing to their highest in six months. And a glimmer of hope for food prices. Indonesia will lift its palm oil export ban starting Monday. Here's the Indonesian president. According to current conditions of the supply and price of cooking oil, as well as considering 17 million workers, farmers and other laborers in the palm oil industry, I have decided that palm oil exports will resume on Monday, May 23, 2022. Palm oil is used in everything from food products to detergents and cosmetics. Indonesia is the world's top exporter. It accounts for about 60 percent of global supply. It halted crude palm oil exports in late April, trying to tame soaring prices of domestic cooking oil. Indonesian president says the government will tightly monitor supplies and prices, but he expects prices will fall in the coming weeks. And Wall Street ended lower today after a very volatile session, though not as bad as yesterday. 
The Dow lost 237 points, three-quarters of a percent. S&P 500 dropped 23.6 tenths of a percent. NASDAQ fell 30 points, about three-tenths of a percent today. And hedge fund Melvin Capital is closing down. You may know it as the hedge fund that lost big during the GameStop Reddit situation last year. Remember meme stocks? Well, the founder of Melvin Capital told his clients that the past 17 months have been incredibly trying. And that, quote, I've given everything I could, but more recently that has not been enough to deliver the returns you should expect, unquote. Melvin used to be one of the Wall Street's highest performing hedge funds. 2021 aside, it had a reputation of delivering about 30% a year after fees, very high. Plotkin says he expects to give back his clients' money by July. Melvin had managed $7.8 billion as of April. And still to come, stay with us. Scammers taking advantage of the baby formula shortage. What are they doing and how can you protect yourself? And an umbrella that isn't waterproof? Take a look at a new fashion accessory. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The Federal Trade Commission has a warning for parents and caregivers. They say scammers are trying to take advantage of the baby formula shortage. FTC announced Wednesday that scam artists are trying to swindle consumers by setting up fake websites. The sites feature images and logos from popular formula brands to make customers think they're buying from an official manufacturer. The scammers are charging high prices for baby formula, but it never arrives. FTC recommends researching the company through a search engine using the words scam, review, or complaint. Be wary of sites that request payment by gift card, money transfer, or cryptocurrency. Agency also suggests checking with your pediatrician to see if they have formula available. And your hair can help fight oil spills. That's right. A nonprofit in San Francisco is using human hair and animal fur to help clean up spills. A standard way to clean up oil on land is to use mats made from a non-biodegradable plastic. Hair, however, is an environmentally friendly resource that can soak up around five times its weight in oil. So, the company Matter of Trust makes special mats and booms out of human hair to clean spills. The idea is catching on. The company is making mats with locally sourced hair in 17 countries around the world. So if you're interested in donating your hair, just go to matteroftrust.org. And fumbling for your phone or hunting for your wallet at the checkout may soon be a thing of the past. MasterCard's rolling out next-generation biometric technology that allow you to pay using your face. But this controversial technology has also raised some eyebrows. Anthony's Jeremy Sandberg explains. A biometric checkout program will allow the technology that can already unlock your phone to pay the bill. MasterCard is introducing a new app that will eliminate the need for passwords or PIN codes. It's a cool new technology 
which allows consumers to pay with a smile their face or just wave. The company has outlined a set of standards that apps must comply with. They say it helps ensure the security and privacy of personal data when people pay biometrically. MasterCard says doing away with passwords will make digital transactions safer. Ultimately, we want our payment experience to evolve with the way we live, the way we do business. And that's what we are doing here. We're making it as simple as, you know, opening your mobile phone. But not everyone is convinced we should be sharing our biometric data. Amos Toe of Human Rights Watch says the uniqueness of our biometric identifiers presents unique harms and can easily be compromised. If they are being stolen uh, as part of a data breach, or if they are compromised in any other way, it's very difficult um, to recover that biometric identifier and to safely protect it again. And so this means that the privacy and safety concerns um, associated with using biometric identifiers are exponentially higher. Facial recognition technology is already in use commercially. A fast food outlet in Hangzhou, China, has allowed diners to pay by face since 2017. MasterCard says its first pilot program will launch this week in Brazil with the PayFace app. The company says it's also working with Pay by Face, Pop ID, and Fujitsu Limited. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Did you ever not get something done and someone complained to you saying you only had one job? Well, take a look at this umbrella. It apparently isn't waterproof. The umbrella was made as a collaboration between luxury label Gucci and sportswear brand Adidas. Current price tag, around $1,300. Gucci and Adidas says it's not designed to stop rain, but actually meant as a fashion accessory and provides shade from the sun. It's currently a wait list on Gucci's website to buy them. And actor Tom Cruise is attending the Cannes Film Festival for the first time in three decades. He's receiving the highest prize at the event. Let's take a look. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and his Top Gun co-stars, old and new, joined the Cannes Film Festival in France on Wednesday. As the actor walked the red carpet for a screening of Top Gun Maverick, The French Air Force honored him with a special flyover. Cruz delighted his fans by signing autographs and posing for selfies. Many of his fans had been camping out since breakfast. We got up really early this morning at 3 o'clock in the morning and we've travelled from Carlisle in England and um, we're staying in Nice but we've just come to Cannes to experience the atmosphere and we'd love a selfie with Tom Cruise. <laughs> Obviously, what he did back in the 80s was amazing and we have high expectations for Maverick too. He is one of my favorite actors since forever. When I found out that he was coming, I was really like, I must see him, absolutely, one way or another. I love him since forever. Me, uh, me and my father watched Top Gun when I was a child. You know, I wish he could be here with me now, but instead I'm trying to get in to see the sequel for him. So hopefully we can get a chance to get some tickets and get in and see the movie, maybe even get a chance to meet him. The film festival awarded Cruz with its highest prize, the Palm d'Or, as a special tribute. Cruz addressed the crowd saying, thank you for your time. I make these movies for all of you. And they all work so hard to bring this to the big screen. And it's a dream to be here. I'm never going to forget this evening. 
Joining Cruz were his fellow cast members Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, and Miles Teller, as well as producer Jerry Bruckheimer and screenwriter Christopher McQuarrie. Cruz received a sparkling send-off as he left the festival and fireworks lit up the sky. Top Gun Maverick is a big-ticket draw at this year's festival. It is the sequel to the fighter jet blockbuster that came out in 1986. It will be in theaters next Friday, May 27th. The Cannes Film Festival runs from May 17th to the 28th. As the latest in the NTD business team, and myself, Paul Graney, can still catch NTD evening news, though. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. Till next time, that's all for NTD business. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.